0: So I guess we got a watch party coming up that we need to need to talk about tonight, huh?
1: Yeah, I guess. Uh, are we, wa- are we watching watches or clocks or
0: n- no, we're, we're watching soccer. Then that's, that's kind of what we do.
1: Sock her.
0: Indeed. Uh, regular listeners of the show will, will remember, um, a recent episode in which I interviewed Ari Gadenson of doc FC and several other restaurants. Um, here in d c and one or two i guess over in in florence italy uh, doc FC is hosting us for at, at a watch party for d c united 's first road game of two thousand and seventeen It is uh, march twelfth at two p m uh, that 's a Sunday afternoon. Uh, and doc FC up in Ivy city. will will have us. So I know I'll be there. Jason, I think you'll be there. Uh, yep. we'll have some other staffers from black and red United and there will be Heineken and Guinness specials. There will be swag given away. Um, they're going to keep the party going through the evening games at five and 7 PM. So stick around as long as you want, but definitely come out for, for DC United. It's going to be a lot of fun. You'll see advertisements on the site. We'll keep talking about it here. Um,
1: what date was that again?
0: It was Sunday, March 12th at 2 p.m., Black and Red United watch party at Dock FC in the historic Hex Warehouse in Ivy City in the District of Columbia.
1: Is that Hex H-E-C-H-T apostrophe S?
0: It is indeed. Good work, Ben. Yeah. If there's one big takeaway from this, it should not be Ben's spelling of of the building where this will happen. It should be the fact that there is, in fact, a watch party.
1: No, it should be Ben's knowledge of uh, mid-20th century department stores.
0: I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on that, because I think the watch party is the bigger takeaway for our purposes here.
1: (laughs) Nah, I think my knowledge of mid-20th century department stores is bigger
0: like I said, agree to disagree. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and mid-20th century Washington, D.C. Department Store podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson, of course, are with us as always. And tonight we're talking about D.C. United and we are previewing the Eastern Conference in Major League Soccer. D.C. United uh, are, are two weeks away from playing their first game and three weeks away from their first road game where there will be a watch party. Oh, we're going to get mentions of that going. Don't don't you worry about that. Before we do anything, though, before even I mention the watch party again, Jason Anderson, what are you drinking?
2: Uh, I was very pleased to find out uh, something that I've had before on the show, but it was only in a larger format. Uh, I just found that Three Stars is doing their peppercorn saison in cans. Ooh. Um which I had just found. I, I don't know if they've been doing it for a while and I They just... have like Tall Boy four packs? No no, this is a, this is a six pack of twelve ounce cans. Whoa, I hadn't um, seen those before. And so I, I went in looking for something else, but I saw this on the shelves and uh I
0: immediately grabbed that instead. So three stars,
2: peppercorn, Saison.
0: Nice. I had a bottle in my fridge recently, but it disappeared and I don't know where um you, you said larger format it comes in the yes
2: that's the, the that's what i'm used to i think um the what is it the costco in uh mm-hmm. in DC has them that's that that where, where i got it. several of them yeah, yeah so now in cans as well i blame ben. quincy
0: oh Quin- my, my dog quincy has plenty of blame uh for things going wrong in my house right now but this one i will i until i have evidence to the contrary i will not pin it on him ben what are you drinking Well then, that was dramatic.
1: I know, I just had to do that. Um, This is a drink I've had on this show before. I am almost positive. I am positive. I'll I'll get rid of the almost. Uh, This is Wild Wolf Brewery's uh, Blonde Honey. Uh, Wild Wolf is in the top tier of my favorite uh, Virginia breweries uh, out in Nelson County. And this is just a nice uh, light blonde ale uh, that packs a kick. I think it's over 6% ABV. I'm, yeah, 6.8% ABV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's quite delicious. Uh, they make a variant of this beer that has been the uh, official Richmond kicker's beer for the past couple of years. Uh, I think it's still up in the air whether or not they're going to do it again this year, but I bet they will. Um, but yeah, it's delicious. So if if you have an opportunity, if you're driving in the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia and happen happen upon uh, Wild Wolf Brewery, uh, stop in, have a beer, have a good time.
0: But be responsible. Uh, I think you guys, I don't know if you guys remember or not. I have a a special occasion whiskey that I break out from time to time. uh, Michter's Barrel Strength Rye. I was about to ask
1: if it was Michter's.
0: It is it's their their limited release barrel strength rye um that is absolutely fantastic and with the the first story we're about to talk about tonight, I felt that constituted a a special occasion and so i I broke it out tonight and I'm drinking it, and it is so good it is it is very delicious rye whiskey, and I can't recommend it enough if I hope they come out with another uh barrel strength rye so I can uh, get a new bottle because this one is getting perilously close to to the bottom. Uh, that first story I mentioned uh, will we'll kick off our DC United preseason segment, even though it doesn't have anything to do with um, play uh, of the team this year necessarily. Audi Field is the name and uh, February 27th groundbreaking is the game because DC United got final zoning approval for the stadium project on Buzzard Point it's happening fam DC United is going to build a stadium and uh, all that's left is for the order order to be officially signed. But with the vote in the record
1: and the uh, building permits
0: and yeah, with the vote in the record books, the the team can apply for, for building permits and, and it's going to happen. And there's, like I said, groundbreaking, uh, February 27th, 3 PM, uh, at buzzer point. It's going to be fun. I'm going to be there. Hopefully, uh, work permitting, um, Jason, I think you, you've you indicated you'll be there. Oh, yeah. There'll be uh, uh, a lot of readers, I know, will be there, uh, and and lots more. The mayor will be there. Don Garber will be there. I'd imagine there'll be lots of Team Brass there. Talon might even show up. Talon will probably show up. Talon likes bulldozers, I think we learned. So Talon will probably he, he is, be there as well. He is,
1: he is a friend to all.
0: He is. Uh, toddler and mayor alike, I guess. I don't know. Yeah.
2: I'm down with it, and everyone but in between,
0: and everyone in between, um, yeah. So that's that's exciting, and I, I feel completely justified using it as an excuse to break out my special occasion whiskey. Uh, I
1: mean, you should break it out now, and you sh- and everyone should break out, and in all uh, whiskeys, wines, any liqueurs or spirits or alcoholic beverages that are. Uh, of special import to you to celebrate uh, D.C. United Stadium finally actually happening.
0: I understand uh, Joe Biden was watching the live stream and said to no one in particular uh, after the vote was done, this is a big effing deal.
1: I can corroborate that (laughs) That, that... non-fact.
0: Another good piece of good news for D.C. United that just came out today. We can only talk about this this week because... Uh, we we delayed the podcast by a day. Um, we didn't. We didn't so much as I did uh, because I was <laughs> exhausted and asleep at this time yesterday. Um, Patrick Mullins has had his contract extended for DC United. He's getting quite a bit more money and all of it deserved. Um, we we confirmed the the report independently before DC United announced it. Steve Goff uh, reported later that the the term is for two years with a team held option. Uh, I think two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the first year, uh, a slight increase for the second, and then a, a bigger bump if the option is exercised. Jason, um, th- this news by itself would almost be enough for me to break out my special occasion whiskey. I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that the team had to get done. Um, and, you know, it's nice to get it out of the way before the season kicks off. Um, you don't, you don't really want a contract discussion as important as that one looming over the team. And, and they've been really good at that sort of thing in recent years, um, starting with Bill Hamid and then in the off season, Steve Birnbaum, um, and now, uh, Mullins who would have been out of contract at the end of this coming season, um, and with his goal scoring record, probably able to walk to any number of clubs in Europe, etc. Um, so he uh he'll be in, in town for a while, and that's pretty great because I feel like he should be consistently getting a com I, my target for him this year is a combined 20 goals and assists, um, probably. Fifteen goals, five assists is what I tweeted out earlier. I don't even think he should really have that as long as he doesn't get injured. I don't think it, that even should be that shouldn't even be much trouble for him um if we're being honest. he scored eight goals in uh fourteen appearances last year um with with, with what two assists I think it's three assists um okay, and his his track record going back into college was he's not just he's not the guy that's going to get you know twenty something goals and have one assist. He's not that kind of player. Um, he's the kind of guy who always manages to get assists um, and his role in the the formation also um, allows Mm -hmm. for that. The way that United plays means that he is not just going to goal. He's not just the finishing touch on a lot. So um, I think the system fits him perfectly. I think also if United were to lose him, they'd have had a big problem on their hands because they would be playing a system that needs a Patrick Mullins and they would have lost Patrick Mullins. So, um, I think all around, everyone should be pretty pleased with uh, with this. And I think the the terms that Steve Goff were reporting, they, I mean, it's a big raise for him, but it's also for the the production we're talking about. Not a bad deal for United either.
0: Yeah, like like I said, every every cent of that that raise uh, was well earned in his, yeah. I, I guess, so far short time with DC United. But everything about it looked sustainable after he joined the team. They were the the most explosive offense in the league, and it wasn't close. Um, so it, it he's he ri- is right up there with Lucho Acosta, who the team brought in on a permanent deal uh, this this winter as well. So this was without making any splashy new signings, the team ticked all the boxes this offseason. Right.
1: And for comparison's sake, uh, Chris Wondolowski, for example, uh, made seven hundred thousand dollars. Uh, last year uh, as compared to Lucho's reported 250 next year. And so I still think that's a pretty good bargain and a pretty good deal.
0: Indeed. So let's talk about preseason now. Um, this this might cause some bad memories, but it, it might feel like a, a flashback uh, and not a pleasant one at that. DC United fell 4-2 to to Montreal in, in their most recent preseason game. And that, that does sound awfully familiar going back to the playoffs um i didn't actually get to watch this because i was traveling um it was streamed so uh we you guys got got to to see it so i'm going to ask you questions about it because i did not get to see it ben what struck you as good from this game it's preseason so we're not going to focus on the the four to two score line too much but let's start on a on a high note what who looked good in this game
1: Uh, I'll start with Lloyd Sam. Lloyd Sam looked really good in this game, uh, and continued his, uh, good play from the right wing. He had a number of dangerous crosses. He had a number of dangerous, uh, attacking runs, uh, towards the box. And he looked like he was not just in preseason, but gearing up back towards, uh, how he had played at the end of last season. So he definitely looked good and looked ready to uh keep Lamar Nagel off the field, keep Sebastian Latou off the field, and continue to be DC United's uh unquestioned starter on the uh, right side of midfield.
0: Jason, who looked good to you?
1: Um
2: I thought Sam was probably the best player on the field, so um I guess I'll go to my next uh my next choice. I thought uh Patrick Mullins played pretty well. Um, his hold-up play was pretty strong. Um, there was one play in particular where he dropped off to help possession uh, and Laurent Simon was doing everything he possibly could to try and win the ball. And not only did Mullins, uh, keep possession, but he managed to shrug Simon off, drop the, uh, drop the ball off, uh, into the midfield and then make a run, uh, in behind. And Montreal really had to scramble from that point to get anything, uh, to prevent a goal. Um, and that kind of summed up his play. It wasn't necessarily the flashiest game, and there, there are still issues. I, I would have liked to see him in a few more goal-scoring positions, but overall I thought the, uh, the fun- fundamental side of what he was doing was really good, um, and, and it looked like he's in uh, a good good physical condition right now. He looked very strong compared to... Um, Montreal played pretty aggressively in the back uh, with Simon and, and Victor Cabrera were both trying to really go in hard a lot of times and Mullins seemed to handle it really comfortably. Um outside of the outside of uh, those two though I'm not sure there were uh, Steve Birnbaum played really well. Uh, I should yeah. note that. Mm-hmm. Not just the goal but um his uh defensive play was really I think uh right where you'd want it to be from someone that's with the national team and and has that head start from being in camp uh with them for January.
0: Um yeah he he, really. he
1: was shutting down one-on-ones. Yeah it, yeah I did yeah, see awesomely. I did see the replay of
0: his goal and and also the the one-on-one stop on on Piotti, which yeah, inside the was, box was cold-blooded, yeah. yeah, Um yeah. the kind of
2: thing that that Piotti has uh preyed on uh throughout the league uh, since he arrived. Um and Birnbaum not only tackled the ball but also like managed I think he managed to connect the pass from that as well. So yes he yeah. did.
0: Uh so Jason who was not so good obviously when the scoreline is is 4 to 2 even in a preseason game you're going to have some negatives to to have to talk about so who's top of your list
2: Um I mean you could really choose either goalkeeper um uh Travis Wara, yeah. um he made a mistake on the first goal he came out off of his line uh but didn't didn't get the ball and just sort of took himself out of the play and it wasn't directly why the ball went in, but by removing himself from a proper position, he made it very easy for Montreal to finish that off. Um, that, I think that mistake was compounded or maybe played on his mind a little bit on the second goal, the penalty kick, um, where he came out for a ball that he was never going to get to. Um, he had Mateo Mancosu running away from goal. Uh, he could have easily taken a few steps out to sh- cut the angle down and then just sort of shepherded him out wide um but instead he went to go win the ball off of Mankosu's feet Mankosu took a dive um i don't think the re- the replay was very clear that Mankosu saw the contact coming and just fell down uh before he was touched um but the point was that Wara set himself up to be the victim of a dive and against a player like Mankosu against a lot of MLS strikers they see that coming, and they will get that call a lot of times um and and wara definitely put himself in a bad spot by coming out uh, and i think that I think it was a shaky decision based off of trying to make up for the earlier error um on the other side uh or the second half, I should say um Eric klonovsky there was a um another opportunity or another goal that came uh possibly due to lack of communication um The third goal came on a cross from the left that, uh, he came off his line to claim, but it looked like he didn't, he either didn't call Mullins off or called him off too late for Mullins to get out of the way of the ball. The ball sort of skipped off of Mullins' head, went over Klonowski and fell to Mancosu who just had to stoop down and nod it into the empty net. Um, the, against, um, uh, young Sodra, there was a similar moment with him in Opare where it was unclear on a stream whether Klonowski had called him off, whether it was too late or whether he didn't say anything at all. And the miscommunication led to a goal. So that might be um, something to look at for Klonowski as far as the thing he needs to work on is just that uh, communication. But yeah, overall, I mean, all four Montreal goals came off of mistakes um, rather than Montreal being this unstoppable force uh, building through the midfield or what have you. It was just if United had defended without these mistakes, they'd probably win the game
0: 2-0. Right, which is both a, a good thing and a bad thing because in the preseason, mistakes, yeah. mistakes you can fix, Yes, but, but you do have to fix them. It's not, yes. it's not a systemic thing, and that's good. But um, we've seen teams in the past in, in this league who just make mistakes at the back, and it's right. doomed them. And DC United has been that team before. Uh, where they're very solid you know nine tenths of the time and then they'll make a just a couple deadly mistakes every game so hopefully this is a a preseason issue but but at this point I think it bears watching but it's no reason to panic is that a fair overall impression Ben
1: yeah I agree with that I I think yeah there's no need need to panic yet I I would go uh, slightly different for my worst uh, performance of the game. I, I think Jared Jeffrey also had a fairly bad performance. and I think uh, Jason would agree. Yeah, uh, yeah. He he was, I've, for me at least, he was running around so hard that he forgot how to play soccer, uh, especially in the first half. And um,
0: kind of like Travis Ward, it sounds like where they were exactly. both trying to make up for something and not just playing the game.
1: Right, exactly. And so I think with with uh both of them, they have people competing behind them with Wara. It is Klonofsky with uh Jared Jeffrey, it's uh Ian Harks. And so they're gonna have to prove more in this uh upcoming game tomorrow against St. Louis and Positions are still up in the air and things can change uh, from day to day. Uh, They still have a chance to lock down their spots, but they still have a chance to lose their spots. So it's good to have this amount of competition in the preseason.
0: Absolutely it is. And I think this game against St. Louis, because it it is coming on relatively short rest, and it's among the last – I think there are, what, only two preseason games left right now Mm -hmm. uh, against St. Louis and against the Union – I I think we'll probably see the second unit start this game against St. Louis. And then the starters come in at the end, Um, which makes sense, especially because it's against lower level opposition. You want your starters, you know, nice confidence boost at the end. Hopefully if they come in for half an hour, 15 minutes and, and, you know, run riot on a tired lower level team, but you want them to, to face the union and get a real MLS test going into that, that season opener. Jason, what, what does need to change? Um, we, other than cutting out mistakes, what, what do you think needs to improve, um, when the starters are on the field, especially over these last two preseason games?
2: I think that the main thing that I want to see, I mentioned this, I did a Facebook video for the site right after the, or not right after, but soon after the game. Um, and the main thing for me is the, the overall team shape when they want to press, um, they do want to be more of a high pressure team, not, necessarily a new york red bulls or sporting kansas city level uh high press but they do want to have that as a part of their game and i think they were kind of gappy um as far as that goes um especially the gap between the midfield four and marcelo um that needs to be much more much more tight much more cohesive i think part of that goes to what ben was saying about jared jeffrey's uh spacing i think he was kind of all over the place um He looked rushed on and off the ball, and and when United didn't have the ball, um, he was trying to win the ball back rather than focusing on team shape. Um, And that can be a big problem, especially when, if you're partnering Lucho Acosta, he's already, Acosta wants to go win the ball back too. Um, And at a certain point, you need to focus on shape. Uh, Pressuring doesn't just happen by people wanting the ball. It's also a team, it's a team-wide thing. Um, And I think that, kind of became a breakdown um, a little bit, uh, a few times that they had some, some moments where they were trying to press with five instead of with the whole group. Um, And Montreal saw that and managed to play out of it and ended up um, creating opportunities on the counter, which is what they do um, against, uh, against other teams, against, uh, um, you know, when the, the big stadium lights go up, when you're, you've actually got points on the line that's the kind of thing that we can look back and say you'll be talking about well this player made a mistake on the scramble in the box or what have you but if you prevent that at midfield you never have to worry about it um, so that's the main thing and that's a a preseason problem that's a um, an issue that they were pretty good about last year um, once they went this way once they went with this approach um, and they'll they'll have to just refine that a little bit I'd like to see it improve. Uh, for the game, I guess it will be tomorrow, uh, the St. Louis game, and then against the Union when the the starters are getting the most, you know, sixty plus ninety, or actually, we might even see them go longer.
0: They in should, that one. they should probably get close to ninety in that right. game against Philly,
2: like seventy five, I would guess, just to make mm-hmm. sure that they don't pick up anything. But um, I'd like to see that. That's the main thing is just if their their team shape without the ball um, is just a little more uh cohesive and a little more tight from front to back. That's that's the main thing because the rest of it I think, you know, going forward they've been pretty sharp. They've it's not like they've been lacking in, in um shooting opportunities. Maybe that could be a little better, but it hasn't been um you know they scored three goals against uh Jay Sodra, they scored two against Montreal. Um it's not like they've been having a hard time getting uh, opportunities. So most yeah,
1: of not- it's not like the first it's not like the first half of 2016 dc United. right
2: um yeah th- that side of it i'm not too worried about um they've been pretty sharp even the second team when they've come in has looked um fairly sharp going forward so really for me it's just that that shape when they want to press that's the main thing
0: i'm not gonna lie this is this has been kind of a boring preseason in in the best possible way uh, yeah I mean, once
2: in the in uh, recent years, I, I in, recent years in recent
0: years we 've had questions about who is going to make the roster and whether some trialist might have an impact as a starter we 've right, had right, to incorporate so, splashy new signings in and figure out whether and how they will fit into yeah. into the lineup we 've had questions so, so, about the formation and the system that that ben Olsen is going to play this year we we, we we had one question about the roster. It was answered very early. Maxim Tissot got a contract offer to back up Taylor Kemp. That was the biggest question about the, the overall roster. Now we have, what, three open positions to, to worry about um, in the starting 11, sh- and that's you, you it. Frank- you, sh-
1: you think Sean Franklin may or may not playing center back is a, as a not interesting question?
0: It is an interesting question, but it's it's less interesting and less dramatic than I
1: think it's very dramatic.
0: <laughs> it's less dramatic than will this team be able to compete on the field against anybody, let alone that's know, never a question in
1: preseason.
0: Yes, it is. We've had questions about whether this team would be able not not this particular team, but in the past we've had questions about whether this team would be a playoff team. And but, we've had to but incorporate. But, no, 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 no. But that's, that's and... not
1: that's not something that you answer in preseason in, in the same way that you're saying. I disagree with your entire premise.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying there are fewer questions to answer, and the questions are less existential this year, and that's that's a good thing. But it's it's also gives us a little bit less to argue about, which is why we're arguing about whether we should be arguing about it
1: i entirely disagree
0: with you <laughs> uh we're gonna do a little mini bo- mini twitter box right now um
1: is it a lightning round twitter box
0: no it's one question so we're not going to call it a lightning round um it's from uh at dcu on twitter he asks us at filibuster dcu the chances that Kamara that that uh Alhaji Kamara stays with the club this entire season, given his low workload and production so far. He only got ten minutes in the last preseason game. Uh, he he seems to be the third striker in a one striker setup. So, uh, I'll expand on his question: Is he a candidate to be loaned to Richmond? Is what, what and what are the odds that he ends the season under contract with DC United and not having moved on? A hundred percent
1: with Richmond, not. With DC United. I mean, he he may go to Richmond at some point. I kind of don't think so. But he'll still be a DC United player once the season ends. I, I don't think that's a question. Uh, just based on his history, his injury history. Uh, he's still trying to work back from that. I don't think anybody else is going to want to sign him based on all of that. So, I think he they spend the entire year with DC United and its affiliates and its loanees. And if he needs to move on after that, that's fine. I wish him well after that. Uh, if he proves himself this year, that's great. And I hope he stays, but I think he's with DC United and its affiliates this entire year.
2: And it's, it's important to note that um, he's an international and Richmond uh, has usually filled up all of their, available international slots um, with players that they want to yeah, like have, guys that they're make, relying on.
1: Key, yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: you know, they, they will have five international starters, generally speaking. Um, so it's, it's been difficult
1: for United to find minutes uh, for, I, and, and that's why last year, sorry to interrupt, but uh, that's why last year, only one of uh, Julian Buescher and, or, Uh, Miguel Aguilar could play with Richmond at a time because they were already full up on international spots.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so that might be a factor there as well as just that you can't just send Kamara down there because Richmond's probably got um, got those spots all taken up. Um, So I I don't I don't see any reason to worry that much about Kamara's spot within the team. Um, It has been difficult playing out of this formation to find him time while also finding, uh, Jose Ortiz, the minutes that he needs up front. Um, we've actually seen, uh, the resulting lineups from when Kamara has come in. Cause he's playing, he's had two or three different 10 minute uh, or so cameos. The lineups have been odd. Uh, Steven Streff, uh, during the closed door game against the union said that, uh, when Kamara came in for that game, uh, Sebastian Latou was playing right back. um, just as a way to get um, Kamara on the field without pulling anybody else out. Um, in this game, he came on for Kemp, and Chris Durkin ended up at left back, um, which is not a position that he's probably ever going to play again. Um, and Rob Vincent moved back, and Latou ended up in central midfield. Um <laughs> So, so obviously they're trying to make sure Kamara gets some time um, because these resulting lineups are so weird that it must be worth it to uh, the coaching staff to give Kamara the 10 minutes, even at the cost of 10 minutes with a strange lineup. Because um, the other solution to that is pretty easy for the coaches is just not put him in the fe- – you know, don't put him on the, the field and that's it, um, which happened with some other players. You know, Jovetle Rimstad did not play any minutes in the preseason um, and was cut from camp. Um so if they didn't want Kamara around, they wouldn't bother giving him these cameo appearances.
1: Um, Charlie Horton.
2: Yeah, Charlie Horton uh didn't get any time uh mm-hmm. even with the you know, the thought was that there was a real goalkeeper battle, but it turned out the team just didn't find it worth their time to give him those minutes. So um there's obviously something there with with Kamara. Um maybe and this is just speculation, but maybe Olsen looks at Kamara as a guy who's going to be playing in 10 and 15 minute spurts and that's it. Um, And maybe that's what they're going to train him for essentially is to train him as a super sub and that's it. Um, I don't know. Uh, But I I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, Maybe if United finds themselves mid season trying to sign uh, another, you know, a, a TAM level player or even a low level designated player and they don't have any more international spots if they trade the open ones they've got, and they need to make a move to free one up then yeah he's probably the guy that that leaves at that point um but other than that um i don't think he's going to leave i just you know he's the third choice striker uh on this team he's probably not going to make the 18 very often when everyone's healthy um especially when you've got Lamar Nagel who can fill in as a second forward if you need it um so yeah i don't i don't see him playing a lot this year, but I also don't know that the team is necessarily in a hurry to to decide whether he... I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy who's only 22. Um, right. so, so It might be a situation where they're just like, look, he's coming along, but he's a young player with some promise rather than it being... Because he came over from, from Sweden, had been playing in Sweden before his uh, heart condition was discovered, mm-hmm. um, there's maybe a difference in... Impression of where he should be in his career and where he is, um, that yeah, lends up to that. Like, let's see, so he, is he ready to start now or not? Um, he's Sweden's not that
0: age.
1: Sweden's not that much better than MLS. I, it might not Sweden's even not be at better. all better it's than MLS. Better. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, so, no, this yeah, strikes
0: me as a situation where if DC United had launched, been able to launch, uh, their their own in-house USL affiliate. Uh, yeah, that would be for now. Scenario. He yeah. would be a perfect candidate for that. Oh
2: yeah, it it sounds like that's not happening
0: completely. till next year.
2: Yeah, if that team existed now, he would probably be starting for that team. Right. Um week in and week out. Um
0: and along with Eric Klanowski. it would be a right, great that would situation be the best
2: for him. Them. Um yeah, that would be the best for those players, but you know, when you've got to pay rent at RFK and that rent doesn't, you know, that rent runs into the seven figures, you don't get to have uh your alternate team that plays elsewhere. Um where someone's paying the salaries of
0: 23,
2: 24 guys.
0: Right. And the fact that that's changing next year is another reason why I'm drinking my special occasion whiskey, courtesy of Michter's. That's it for this segment. Uh, Get ready for uh, a long haul because the next segment is our Eastern Conference preview and it's probably not going to be short. Stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me.
1: Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is, are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats
0: are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But, but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages or, or do something else oh, nefarious, you are. In a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Some big headline moves this off season, but not necessarily a ton of developments at the top of the Eastern Conference. We're going to talk about the Eastern Conference right now and preview it coming up uh, on this 2017 season, which is way closer than it seems like uh, it ought to be, because the season starts at the beginning of March. It's late February. We are very nearly there.
1: What, it's 10 days away? Yeah.
0: It's freaking close, man. We're like in a bye week, essentially. Yeah, we're a bye week away from the season starting.
1: Not that there are bye weeks in MLS, but
0: <laughs> no, never. There would never be a week where a team doesn't play randomly for no reason. The biggest uh, noisemaker this this off season um, was Atlanta United for obvious reasons. They had n- no team and they have to field a team. So they made a, a lot of signings over the last year and, and a lot over the, the, the recent off season, um, Almiron, Vialba, Carlton, <laughs> among others. Uh, Jason, are they going to be any good? I think is the big question there. There's some thought that they're going to be amazing run around. Uh, Tata Martinez is their coach. Obviously they're going to, to, to win everything because he has the pedigree to win everything.
2: Uh, I mean, I, I think there there's a lot of promise on paper, but one thing I would point out is that if their starting lineup goes the way it looks like it's going to go, they're going to be fielding three players with MLS experience out of 11, um, and that includes Alec Khan, who w- probably would struggle to make DC United's roster, as, the, and that's their starting goalkeeper
0: until Brad yeah, Rezan right. arrives. You, you should have ended that at who? Alex Khan. Right. Who? Alec. See? You didn't even get his name right. That's my um, point.
2: Um, and that, I mean, it's it's Khan, Tyrone Mears, Michael Parkhurst, and then everyone else from that point on is a player who's brand new in MLS. Greg Garza is an American, but he's never played in MLS. The rest of them have never played in MLS. And um, I, and
1: I and I'm not convinced that Greg Garza can be an actual decent MLS player.
2: I think he should be fine. Um, I think my worry with him would be more injuries because of the Mm -hmm. uh, number of problems he's had in the past. Um, But, you know, you look through their their lineup and they've made a lot of promising signings on paper. Um, But we've seen plenty of big names come to MLS where it it looked like it should have worked and it didn't. And they need a lot of those to go their way. Um, They need uh, Miguel Almiron to deliver on his promise they need uh Hector Vialba um is a very young player starting out on the right they need him to uh really deliver Kenwin Jones has had injuries in his career um he's going to be their their target man they need him to stay healthy um they did just sign I guess their last big signing was Josef Martinez uh from Venezuela's national team he was playing with Torino in Italy um I suppose he would be the the alternative to Jones, but I think he's more of a a winger speedster kind of guy. He's not a, a hold up player. Um, so if, if Jones is unavailable, they might have a problem. Um, yeah, I
0: mean they do have Andrew Carlton, who's a super promising teenager. He's 16. Yeah, he's exactly. a sixteen year old. Um, he's a teenager he's the... playing target forward in MLS, which is no, not he's a necessi- winger. Oh, he's a winger. Okay,
2: yeah. Um, no, he's a goal scoring winger. He's he's, he's he's going yeah. to turn out well. He's in the Chris Durkin um, level of, of talent at that, that youth national team level. Um, but, you know, uh, I guess if, if Martinez isn't able to play alone up front, they would have Brandon Vasquez, who's with, um, the U-20s, but not playing, uh, yet. Um, that would be their alternative. And they got him, uh, I think on loan from, uh, Tijuana, if not outright signed him from Tijuana. Um, a pretty good signing, but again, that's a 19-year-old player. Um, So, they've got a lot of youth in their attack outside of Kenwin Jones. A lot of those players are young. Almiron is 22. Um, I think Vialba is only 21. Um, Vialba also was on loan with um, Tijuana and just didn't play. They just didn't use him very often at all, um, which isn't a great sign. Um, So, there's plenty of on-paper reason to think highly of this team. I think... Um, Carlos Carmona, the Chilean defensive midfielder they signed, is going to be a very good uh, choice. I think that's maybe – that might be the best move they made once you factor in value because he's not even a designated player. They didn't pay a transfer fee. Um, I think that is a huge move. Um, whether – and and all of that is happening while they have a coach who has no MLS experience uh, running the show as well.
0: Um, and so Carlos Bocanegra is, is the GM who – He's played in MLS. Yes. But he, he he this is his first front office gig. Right. Essentially. And,
2: and he's done a lot uh, he's received a lot of credit. It looks like he's done a lot of things right. Yeah, he's um, signed a lot
0: of really good players. The question is whether they he and, right. and Tata can put um, it together.
2: And and if we're talking just this year, um there seems to be so many question marks that they would need to have all of these things factor in um and and go well for them, or not all of them, but most of them. Um, and on top of that, um, to go back to the guys that do have MLS experience, Mears is 33 and was showing real signs of age by the end of the year. Um, for a right back, he looks a little, uh, he's lacking in quickness, um, and that can be exposed. Uh, Michael Parkhurst, I I thought, played really poorly last year. He's also, I think, 32 at this point, um... I mean, if you want to play possession soccer, you need someone like him that can play center back and is comfortable on the ball, but you also need to be able to do the defending. And whenever Parkhurst has been exposed uh, to having to do the defending on his own, he's in trouble. Um, And he'll be playing alongside a player who uh, I don't know. uh, This is uh, Leandro gonzalez Pires, the other center back. I don't know what his level of English fluency is at this point. Um, So that might also be a problem. Um, So there are a lot of underlying questions that haven't really received a lot of attention because the attention is all on, look at these big names, look at the money they're able to spend, look at all this and that. Um, And maybe they will come together down the stretch Uh or for 2018. But this year, I feel like like when Atlanta faces teams that are organized and well put together and tough to play against, they're going to struggle. When they catch a team that's tired or low confidence, I think they're probably going to uh, put up some goals and everyone's going to be wowed by that. But when they play your, you know, I I was going to say San Jose, but I feel like they're going to be bad again. Um, uh, Who's a good example. Like Philadelphia, a a solid, competent team that knows what they're doing um, and and isn't in a mess morale-wise. I think they're going to struggle with all the teams like that and and better and and the teams that are better than that. I think they're going to have problems.
0: They feel a little bit like NYCFC their first year, lots of big name attacking players and just a shambles in the back and but, actually kind of like NYCFC last year as well. The question is whether they will be able to score more goals than they allow and I think Carmona uh like you said, he might be the most critical signing for them. Mm-hmm. If he can shield that defense and and keep the the attack connected and and the defense from being a sieve, then, then he might be, you know, their, their most important player this year. And if he can't go for any length of time, if he gets hurt, if, if something else happens, it's their season could fall apart very, very quickly is, is what I think, uh, before they had signed him, I, I had told you guys off air that, that I thought that Minnesota United would be closer to a playoff spot than Atlanta United in in 2017. I don't think either team will make the playoffs, um, but I, I thought Minnesota would get closer. Carmona kind of changes that, but I'm not totally sure.
2: And they, they do also have um, Chris McCann, who they signed from a club in League One or the championship, and then they immediately loaned him back to coventry city in league one where he was playing um so he's at least someone with you know a decent level of experience but uh we are talking about a guy who is eligible for ireland but has never played for the senior national team of ireland and he's 29 and ireland used to be big that used to be a bigger deal but now if you're an mls uh starter you should be able to make the irish national team at this point in time um I did read a story about him saying that there was some sort of, when he was on the youth national team, he asked not to be subbed into a game, and there was a controversy, but that was like eight years ago. Um, So if they were going to call him in, it probably would have happened already. Um, So he and Jeff Lorenowitz are competing for a a starting spot uh, alongside Carmona, and Lorenowitz is a solid depth player, but if he's starting for you, it's probably an indicator that you could do better at that position. So. Overall, at least think, in
0: 2017, uh, several years right. ago, that wasn't the case. Yeah, but. yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, but now he's more of a guy that rotates in rather than a guy that should be, um, you know, if he's starting 15, 20 games for you, then, um, you probably could have done a little better there. Uh, so yeah, I, I think Atlanta, the the hype has kind of caught people up a little bit. Um, and there's a lot of expectation that everything that they need to go right is going to fall into place. And I don't think, MLS has always eaten teams like that for lunch. Um, We've seen big-name coaches come in and struggle. Um, So Martino's ability to adapt to what is going to be a much different experience than he's had with Barcelona, with uh, the powerhouse clubs in Argentina, with Argentina's national team, Um, those are different gigs than being an MLS head coach, and that might be frustrating for him.
0: Uh, I, I think I may have been on something when I wrote this next This next point. It says Chicago was the next biggest mover in the Eastern Conference, and, and that can't possibly be right. That is it? I guess they but did it, sign.
1: But it is true. They signed uh, Dax McCarty and Janinho, and based on that alone, they're the most improved team in the Eastern Conference, whether or not that Actually makes them decent or not is yet to be seen. But just getting Dax McCarty and Juninho is a a coup for any co- any team, whether they're in the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference.
0: Yeah, they they sent all the allocation money to New York for McCarty and managed to to land Juninho from from Cholos. Um, that. Like you said, that that's a big win for them this offseason. Uh, it, it improves their team dramatically. Uh, but, Ben, do you think they will be any good? Are they going to contend for the playoffs this year?
1: No, nah, they're the fire. They're not going to contend for the playoffs. <laughs> they're they're, they're going to be better, but I mean... Better than better the worst
0: than... team in MLS.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which is I mean, the step.
0: Even, two two even, years in a row of that. Yeah.
1: Even, even being better than two years of the best team uh, of the worst team in MLS could still make you the worst team in MLS. Yeah. I don't. I, I, don't I don't think they're going to be because I think just adding McCarty and Janino means that they probably won't be the worst team in MLS. But it's still possible. But uh, I don't. I don't think they're. I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs.
0: Jason, what do you make of of the fires roster? Um, I know Juninho and McCarty both like to be the deepest guy, so I have a little bit of question about whether they can work together. Yeah. They're both smart guys, so I think they can make it work, and I think at least one of them will be able to swallow his ego enough to to play second fiddle in that midfield. Um, to the extent that that has to happen, uh, I'm I'm curious how how deep this team is and whether they can they have the the a more fully fleshed out roster to compete over the course of 34 games.
2: Yeah, they there's not much depth there um no. uh to get right to it there uh once you get past their their especially in their, their attacking midfield roles there's not really much there other than the starters. Um last year they actually ended up using Louis Solignac uh wide and even there were a couple games where he played as an attacking central midfielder in their their setup. Um, And it was just because there weren't that many players. And as much as they made other moves elsewhere, they didn't really add anything um, in those spots. So um, the starters are all good. Uh, Arturo Alvarez, Michael Deleu, David Akam, those are good players. Akam is an excellent player. Um, Mm -hmm. But beyond that, there's not a whole lot there. Um, They spent three million allegedly on uh, Nemanja Nikolic. Um, I'm a little skeptical that he's going to be worth anywhere near that kind of money. Even if he's a solid MLS striker, it'll it'll be an improvement for them for sure. Um, But I don't think um, beyond that, there's not much there. Solonjic again is, you know, decent. He's fine as a second choice player, but he's not. um, If he's your depth all across your front four, that's a problem. Um, And in the back, there's not much depth either. Um, They've still got Joao Mera looking like he's going to start, um, which is pretty terrible for them. Uh, Their goalkeeping situation is uh, somehow worse than it was last year, (laughs) in my opinion. Um, They signed Jorge Bava, who's a 35-year-old Uruguayan with no national team caps and no major clubs on his resume uh, outside of Uruguay. And even there... um, for the two major clubs in Uruguay, he played for one very briefly when he was like 20. Uh, and then the other one has let him go three different times. So, uh, a pretty unimpressive resume, uh, for him. And at 35, I mean, there's the old true isn't it in MLS? Like, why are you, why are you signing a foreign goalkeeper? Um, Mm -hmm. and if you do sign a foreign goalkeeper, he'd better be really good. Um, and
1: you sign, a, you, you sign him because you're the Philadelphia Union.
2: You know, the first time the Union did that, it it turned out pretty well. Farid Mondragon was was a good. He's, uh, he's pretty good, but yeah. he was there for one year, and they knew that they knew that he was a one year. Um, let's get the culture of the club going, and and that sort of thing. And that was it. And after that is when it kept being a, a comedy of errors. Um you know Matt Lampson might actually start some games for Chicago just like he did last year um because Pavnovich is also very impatient with his goalkeepers which is kind of amusing um last year i think Sean Johnson only started like he 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 started over half of the games so it was close it was like 55% of the games um so if Bava struggles at all he'll get benched um for for Lampson and if Lampson struggles he'll get benched again for for Bava um, they drafted a goalkeeper, uh, Stefan Cleveland, but he was, he went before Klinovsky. I think a lot of people were like, wait, why did you, like a lot of the draft experts, the people who watch college soccer all the time were confused, uh, to put it lightly by that one. Um, he could be in line though, to make some appearances, uh, because of Panovich 's willingness to change, willingness almost makes it sound like a, a positive, um, it's how, that's how you His would propensity. sell it. Yeah, if, that's how you would sell it if you were the PR person for the fire. It's like, oh, he's willing to make the big changes um, or he is a lunatic and he's impatient. Um, one of those two. Um, yeah, I, I don't see any real depth for Chicago. Um, and even if, um, you know, getting McCarty and Janino is a really good move, any, any team would do that, but you do have to sort their roles out. And I think... We're going to see one of those two not being at their best as a result because they're going to have to play a role that they're not familiar with. And I'm not sure who it's going to be. I'm not sure they know who it's going to be yet. Um, That might not shake out until May or June. Um, Panovic also, you know, the impatience in goal, it's not just in goal. It extends to other things. Uh, Last year they played four or five different formations. Um, Players were coming in and out of the lineup left and right. So... Um, that situation might keep being a problem. And, and the the funny thing is like, if they can't get it sorted out quickly, it might end up being a problem for much longer than it needed to be. Um, because this is the kind of thing that you could sort of through repetition, at least get it to where the best it can be. Um, but I don't think he has the patience as a coach to allow that repetition. So Chicago, probably not going to finish dead last, but they're not going to be good.
0: (laughs) the other end of the the biggest trade of this offseason the Dax McCarty trade uh which is in any other league would be a a sale because it was for financial assets and and also the team at the other end of the the standings were were the New York Red Bulls um they landed all the allocation money like I said before for Dax McCarty um this means they're going to be relying on a couple of young guys to fill his role in central midfield as they also change formations, it sounds like they're going to fully commit to this Leipzig style for two, 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 which under Bob Bradley was called an empty bucket rather derisively. Um, but, but they're going to get credit for being a high pressing team with a, a strong identity. I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll hear, uh, Jason is, is this whole setup that they're, they're working toward and, and, in spite of the the upheaval in their front office, they've let Ali Curtis go. Um, and, and there was some drama around uh, Jesse Marsh's status with the club. Are they going to stay near the top of the Eastern Conference for uh, another year?
2: I don't think they are going to be near the top. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be in the running to win the conference. Um, I think losing McCarty... Last year, I think... I think one of the reasons they felt they could get away with it is because last year when McCarty was hurt, they brought Sean Davis in and their performances were still pretty good. However, that was in the 4-2-3-1. That was mid-season when they had gotten some momentum going um, rather than starting from zero. Um, they've had the, the off-season turmoil of the the Allie Curtis thing has dragged out. It was only very recently resolved. It had been the entire preseason.
0: Yeah, and um, resolved in the last week.
2: Yeah, they finally clarified what was going on. Um, Marsh hadn't been maybe invited to coach another team, maybe not. That that has never been resolved, and I don't think we're ever going to hear exactly what was going on there. Um, so, there, yeah, there's a lot of other stuff happening, and they've had a lot of stability, and all of a sudden, they don't have that stability off the field. Um, and then they've lost their captain. Um in the midst of all that. They're trying to change formations. They've got all this stuff going on. Um, changing formations also means they're they're going all in on Gonzalo Verón, who so far has been a bust. They spent a lot of money on him. It hasn't worked out. Um, he did start showing at the end of last year, he started showing some some flashes that he, he was kind of rounding the corner. Um, I'm not sure he was going around the corner to become worth the money they spent, but at least better than a guy who would enter the game and you would see Red Bulls fans like, Oh great. Here comes Varone. Um, but now, you know, you change formations, you're adding a second forward, you're pulling somebody else out of the lineup for him. Um, so I think it's a little curious. Um, last year they tried this formation, uh, uh, for a little while. It did not work. Um, they actually played it, uh, their first visit to RFK. um, that was actually, I think, the last time they tried it all season because it went that badly. Um, that was the 2 nothing win for DC, and the Red Bulls basically uh, were furious with themselves with how they played. Um, so I don't – I haven't thought it, this is a good formation for them this whole time. Um, it's good to have a second plan in place, uh, but I don't think it should be their starting plan. Um, I think it moved Sasha Kleschen out of his best position on the field um, – and in the exchange, you're you're basically banking on Varone covering questions, lost goals and assists, and lost productivity by him having to play sort of out of the you know a right center or left center role. Um, the other role alongside Question doesn't really have a natural fit. Um, I don't think Alex Mule or Daniel Royer or Mike Grella fit that other spot very well. I think those guys need to be wider than that formation allows. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of reasons, right. And that there's, you know, so that's another reason I, I think this is a, an overreach to fit, to try and fit the, um, the Red Bull, uh, playbook that somehow Jesse Marsh gets all the credit for when it's, you know, this is someone else's plan that he enacts. Um, rather that he gets treated like a genius for following the steps that are directed to him, um. I mean, he's not completely bound by it by any means, but there's a distinct, like, this is how we're going to play and you just need to implement the plan. Um, that's a big factor there. Uh, they'll still be solid. Um, they're still going to be tough to play against. Their their pressure did look pretty well organized early in the preseason. Um, but you do have to note that they needed Damian Parnell to re-sign in the offseason. He's going to be 34 this year. Um, and they didn't have, there was no, like, what's the other plan? It was just, we need to re-sign this guy or we're just not going to have our starting centerbacks. Um, so that's another thing going on besides whether it'll be Sean Davis or Tyler Adams has been talked up. Um, he's been playing a lot with the, um, Red Bulls too. He was actually, he started the first, uh, under 20 game, the, the loss to Panama, but he got injured, um, he actually got injured on the red card uh, for Panama that ended up not mattering in that game. Um, so he he's a, a candidate there as well. But I still feel like they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Um, a lot of these things were self-inflicted problems, and they've all happened at once. So I feel like the Red Bulls are going to drift to fourth or fifth place um, and go out kind of early. It, it'll be nice to see them going back towards the bottom where they belong. <laughs>
0: across the Hudson River, uh NYCFC said goodbye to Frank Lampard and made the uh probably the under the radar signing of the the offseason with bringing Rodney Wallace back from from Mexico. DC United fans of course will remember him. Any Portland Timbers fans who happen to be listening will remember him. Uh they they also brought in Sean Johnson at goalkeeper, which is hilarious to me because they need a goalkeeper who's good with his feet. And if you've ever seen video of Sean Johnson, he's not that. Uh, he's a lot of things. Good with his feet is not necessarily one of them. Ben, is there any chance that the NYCFC maintains their the success they found last year, as improbable as it was, uh, allowing a million goals and scoring a million and ten goals? over the course of the year. Can they can they keep that going this year?
1: Um, no. I don't <laughs> think so. I, I think they're going to trail off and uh, revert back to the mean. And uh, I think that'll be fine. And it'll be fine for most of us. And <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to be a more regular MLS team this year.
0: Jason,
2: um, I, I think it's interesting looking at what they've done. I, I'm used to them doing all kinds of stuff, and this year it was a little less of the big, the big name signings. Um, you know, they added a center back name. I think his name is Alexander Callens. That they, I guess, they plan on starting, but no one seems that excited about it. Um, Wallace is a good signing, but it also means if he plays where he should, which is as a left forward in their, their 4-3-3, it means Tommy McNamara has to move somewhere that might not be as good for him. Um, I mean, he might- came into
0: this league as a kind of attack-minded central midfielder, right? When he played right. with Shivas and, and so impressed so many people, including us, it was in the middle of the park. And without Frank Lampard there, it looks like there's a spot.
2: Yeah. Um, but it, it they are, at that point, relying... Um, a ton on a brand new defensive midfielder. They, they signed a guy named, uh, Alexander Ring, uh, who I think was playing in Germany previously. Um, but they're going to be relying a ton on if, if McNamara's in there and Pirlo is in there, we know Pirlo is not going to do any running. Um, so you've got one guy having to do an absolute ton of defensive work. Um, and he's new to the league. Um, also, you have to factor in that Via and Pirlo are a year older, and they were already old coming in. is going to be fine. Um, he'll probably score 20-plus goals again. Um, but can he be fully fit down the stretch and at the end of the season? I don't know, because you know, it's tough to uh, a full-season uh, travel where he doesn't get the breaks that some other veteran players get. Like Marcelo, for example, is going to sit some games out. Uh, we we're, we can be pretty sure about that. Via, because of his value as a big name, will probably be trotted out over and over again. Um, and eventually you, you're going to wear him out. Um, I still think they're going to be bad in the back. I mean, it part of that's just the way they want to play is they've embraced the idea of outscoring their opponents. They're fine if they give up some goals. Um, they're going to play out of the back. They're going to take risks. They're going to send their fullbacks forward all the time. Um, but I do wonder, uh, they didn't really improve. I mean, they, they did improve in goal because Josh Saunders was the worst goalkeeper in MLS last year. Um, but they only improved by like one or two spots on that, on that table. They didn't really do very much. Um, and, and, uh, I feel like that's a situation where they needed to do a lot more. Um, and if, if, uh, ring, for example, if he gets hurt, I don't know what they have, uh, Available as a number six, they let Federico Bravo go back to Boca Juniors. They didn't pay the um the transfer fee that that would have required. So there's not much there. Uh, there I know the guys at Hudson River Blue are super excited about um what could be their first homegrown signing is a 16 year old named James Sands, um but 16 year old uh, and defensive midfield and 16. Uh, don't really go together. Uh, as a starting uh, as a starter, especially on a team that is almost suicidal going forward. Yeah, even um, we
0: are not counting on Chris Durkin right this year. If he gets and, some minutes, we're going to be really, really excited because he right. looked really good in the one appearance he had for DC United last year. But he's not a part of the calculus when we figure out is this team going to compete this year? Right,
2: and um, yeah, I don't know what else. Uh, New York has planned. I I think I read somewhere that Maxime Chanot, uh, the center back played a little defensive midfield in one of their preseason games. Um, I think this was before, this was early on where they weren't even streaming games. Um, so I don't, I don't know the details of it, but, um, they're kind of in that kind of situation where they're going to have try, they're going to have to try players out of position, um, to see if someone can fill that role in because they're, they're pretty shallow at that spot. And it's a spot that they need to be excellent at because of the nature of the way they play. Um, their defensive midfielder and center backs have to be outstanding. Um, and we've seen in the past that they, they aren't really outstanding. Um, so if if Ring delivers and he can play 32-something games and, and still be fresh come playoffs, you know, maybe they'll be uh, a force again. They're going to always be a threat going forward. It's not just Via and McNamara and Pirlo. It's also... Jack Harrison is going to keep getting better. Kyrie Shelton is going to keep getting better. Um, Wallace is in there and, and should be a pretty, a pretty excellent uh, physical athletic edge that they maybe lacked a little bit. Um, Sometimes last season, they were a little too focused on the technical players and they didn't have that element of pure speed or pure physical strength to, to really not. And that's kind of the role Wallace had with Portland. Um, when they pushed him up there it was the he was the the other element you know they had a team that was full of technicians and he was the one guy that was more direct and to the point um and maybe he'll be that guy for NYCFC too i think they're going to be in the playoffs i just i don't see that being a the way they play in uh i don't know that they can sustain it to be a contender
0: yeah i'm i got distracted thinking about the all the times Tommy Sohn ran Rodney Wallace out as a defensive midfielder and man, he was not but even there. For that his, role.
2: He was more of a ball winner than a, a guy that sits at the bottom of a midfield yeah. trio.
0: Oh, for um, sure. That, that, yeah. We, we've talked many times on this show about how wacky Tommy Sohn's three, five, two was, uh, and, and made even more wacky by the fact that, that Rodney Wallace was a defensive midfielder and he, he would run around and win the ball from time to time. But, his passing from that position was so bad, and it's because it's not his position. He shouldn't right. be put there. And it was, yeah. Now seeing him as a left back where he was much better, and as a left winger where he's much much better. Um, I just look back at that that time and sigh. They were and weird shake my times. Head. They were very weird times. Um, last year was kind of weird times because Toronto FC made it to MLS Cup. That that's not supposed to happen. I mean, they, they we're finally not used to
2: them making the playoffs.
0: Yeah. And then all of a sudden they, they almost win the whole thing. They represented the Eastern conference at MLS cup, uh, lost in, uh, probably the, the least deserved loss to the extent that you believe that things are deserved in soccer. Uh, they managed to not allow a shot on goal during MLS cup and still didn't win the thing. Um, they were quiet for most of this off season until the last couple days. Um, they did allow Will Johnson and Mark Bloom to leave. Um, Mark Bloom left in a trade to Atlanta United to bring Clint Irwin back, uh, who was selected in the expansion draft. Uh, but then the, the only real addition they've made came uh, this week when they signed uh, former Barca youth product, um, what Victor Vasquez, with TAM, mm-hmm. a Spanish midfielder. They they said all along this offseason they wanted to get a more creative presence in midfield. Um, Jason, do you think they they got their man here?
2: Apparently, they did. Apparently, they've been after him for quite a while. They even... Um, before they signed Giovinco, he was apparently someone they were thinking about signing. Um, and then decided to go much for, with a much more expensive option that turned out to be a pretty good call. Um, yeah. So now... Now, a couple of years later, they're getting the guy and they're not having to pay uh, anything to get him. Um, they desperately needed that creative element uh, in central midfield. Their 3-5-2 uh, at the end was – I mean, they were pretty much lights out defensively, but their attack was Giovinco, Altidore, and that was it. And that worked for a while. Um, Altidore, remember, had five goals and four assists before – without even – before MLS Cup kicked off, that was his stat line for the playoffs, um, which is ridiculous. Um, and Giovinco is Giovinco, but um, it was clear that if you could if you could quiet their forwards, that there wasn't really much invention from the deeper positions. They were going to become a team that hits crosses, and that's pretty much it. Um, so he's the right profile of player, that's for sure. That's exactly exactly what they needed. Um, I do know that. There were some people that wanted to see Jay Chapman, their homegrown player, get um, get some of those opportunities, and he'll probably still be the backup um, when they keep the uh, attacking midfield position. But I do think that a lot of times, if Vasquez is unavailable, they'll go back to the conservative version of the three-five-two because that's really what Greg Vanny is about. He is a um, cautious coach, I think is the best way to put it. Even though TFC. Uh, was scoring a lot of goals in the playoffs. His decisions all come back to caution. Um,
0: some of and, them very nearly cost his team. Yes. In the playoffs. Um, he, eh. they, they snuck by Montreal. They, 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 they got to, to MLS Cup and they were definitely the aggressor in that game, but his caution yes. was, was almost detrimental at a few points.
2: Um, so, yeah, I think Vasquez is definitely a good sign. And they also signed um, uh, Chris Mavengo, who will probably be a new starter for them uh, in their back three. Um, he'll push Nick, Hi- Nick Haglin to the bench, um, which is probably an upgrade. Um, I think Haglin was the weak point in their lineup. Um, so we'll see if M- – they definitely intend for Mavinga to be that guy. It's just a matter of is he or is he not going to be um, – certainly they'll lose something in the air – uh, with Hagland off the field but they'll probably gain something in terms of soccer IQ. Um they're still going to be really good. I feel like they're probably the favorite to win the East um at this point. Um even with the the issues we're talking about are all they're pretty minor in the grand scheme of things. Um they have become a pretty effective pressing team um which is interesting cuz when you see a 3-5-2 you don't really see too many uh high presses. Uh Ben are you snoring? Um, we're putting Ben to sleep um, <laughs> I, I think they probably could do a little better than um. You know, they've got the situation where Marky Delgado doesn't really play very much um, I think that's kind of a mistake on their part um, maybe with Will Johnson gone he'll get some of those minutes but with Vasquez coming in um, he, he and Bradley are definitely going to start and there's only one spot left and you've got Delgado, Armando Cooper, Jonathan Osorio, all looking for time. Um, Delgado is probably the best fit out of those three. If if they're going to play an attacking midfielder, um, Delgado fits more alongside Bradley than the other two, who are also pretty attack minded. But um, I think that'll be a competition because I think Vanny showed last year that he's he's willing to drop Bradley deep and play two in front of him rather than play two deep and and one up. Um, We'll see how Vasquez fits. He has – I mean, I don't even think he's gotten his Canadian visa yet. Um, so there's no preseason tape of what they're going to do as far as uh, formation goes. But uh, it did definitely address the need that they had. Um, but I, I think even if they hadn't signed him, they'd still probably be one of the better teams in the league. So they're in a good spot for sure.
0: Yeah, I think it, if I took my – any any homerism out – of the equation, I would definitely agree with you that Toronto FC is going to be favorites to win the East, and not just because of their playoff run last year, but because they they figured it out down the stretch and and they look good for the most part. And if Greg Vanney can get out of his own way, uh, and and let the let his team play, they they should be pretty dangerous. Um, and they they had the best defense in the East last year, despite scoring all those goals. They're kind of, uh, they they have figured out the problem, the the solution to the problems that that NYC hasn't addressed yet. Um, now, the rest of the Eastern Conference that we haven't talked about yet is kind of the squishy middle in my mind. Uh, Montreal can be very good on their day. Uh, and they had a hell of a run through the playoffs. But I don't think they're a team that will necessarily be able to keep it up for 34 games during the regular season, they should probably make the playoffs again. And once they're there, they can, they can make noise as they showed last year.
1: Especially since 34 is, uh, their average age.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. They're, they're still relying on basically the same cast of, of characters. And they're all just, they were already, uh, grizzled veterans. And now they're all a year older. Um, I think that makes the average or the combined age of their midfield trio, 103 this year uh, rather than just a hundred. <laughs> um, ben obviously Piati is is one of the most dangerous one on one attackers, if your name's not Steve Birnbaum, uh, in the league. Mancosu is is dangerous enough to push Didier Drogba to the bench and ultimately out of MLS. Uh and and they've got they've got some other pieces that can hurt you, but they they said that they want to not be exclusively counterattacking this year, even though that was the identity that got them through the playoffs. Do you think they have the the ability to to do that, to really take control of a game and not just kind of play that low block all the time?
1: I mean, I just, I just think it's going to have to, uh, it's going to come back to whether or not they can go an entire season without injuries or without uh people just expiring due to uh, (laughs) how old they are. And
0: I mean, it'll be natural causes.
1: Yeah. Well, yes, but I I don't, I mean, we say this every year, but really, I don't think, I I don't see it happening this year. I don't think they're going to be able to keep it up this season. And uh, yeah, I, I see them like they have many years in the past falling off the, in the second half of the year. And uh, struggling to make the playoffs, so we'll, we'll see if they are able to. I mean, Patrice Bernier is a great player, and if anyone can will them into the playoffs, it's him. But I don't see it happening this year. So we'll 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 see.
0: That's a great point about their their second half fades over the course of really their entire time in MLS. There there was one year where they were in first place at midway through the the season and i think they finished yep. outside of the playoffs that year um and they they just couldn't sustain it. Jason, where do you see Montreal finishing this year?
2: Um probably about where they were um which is right on the bubble. Um they didn't add anyone of significance uh this offseason. The biggest things they did were um they do have uh Blair and Jamali coming over from Bologna, but that's an unclear situation. Basically, he signed with Bologna for one season, and then uh, because Joey Saputo owns both teams, he was just going to move to Montreal um, after that season is over. And apparently, there's some talk that he might make the move a little earlier because Bologna is not in danger of being relegated, but who knows, you know. When you're talking January and you're saying, oh, we're definitely safe from from, uh, that, then you're probably wishing yourself into a relegation dogfight. Um, But, I mean, you know, Mancosu's uh, – actually, Mancosu is another guy in that same boat where he um, is with Bologna and he's on loan with Montreal and he's on loan until July. He's on loan until the window opens. So they've got to sort that contract out. If he goes, they've got no real – They have Anthony Jackson Hamel, who scored uh, against D.C. in the 90th minute last week, but has generally not looked like a guy that you can rely on as a starter in MLS at this point in his career. Um, The midfield is still very old. Um, Andres Romero came back from injury, but he was – that's not a new signing. It's just a guy that is healthy again. Um, Ambrozo Yango, they managed to talk him into not leaving uh but he's probably just gonna play his contract out and, and leave at the end of the season. Um that's pretty much it. Like it's been they've had a quieter off season than DC and they don't have that well, at least we re-signed these guys and kept them in the fold, um, which in DC's case were big things. Um they didn't res they didn't sign uh Oyongo to a contract extension. They did assign um, Bernier to an extension, but Bernier is going to turn 38 I believe this year and yeah. Burnet Burnet is from Montreal and came back there to finish his career like he's not leaving for another place he's if he was going to not resign he was just going to stop playing soccer
0: um i assume that deal will turn into a a Davi Arno style uh player coach slash just a coach at some point well, but yeah at
2: some point and, and they'll have to it give hasn't him some yet. right and he's not going to be able to start Thirty-four games this season, um, for sure. So, yeah, I'm a little curious about Montreal not doing anything in the off season, um, and just carrying on as if. I mean, they held. There was some interest from Argentina in Piatti, but they managed to hold that off. That's that's a pretty big triumph, you've got to say. Yeah. Um, but still, that doesn't mean they got better. It just means they avoided getting worse. Um, and that's pretty much the tale for them. So. Um, the fact that they, I don't know that they have actually developed a way to play without being a counterattacking team. That's a problem for them because you can counterattack in the playoffs and that's an effective way to, to win a two game series, but it's a tough life to live, um, over 34 games, especially in your home matches. Um, because when you're at home, the other team is generally going to sit in and you can't really counter a team that's sitting in. So what do you, how do you win your home games at that point? Um, you kind of end up relying on Piotti to sort of solve it on his own, which, you know, that's not the worst scenario to be in, but it's not necessarily a viable path towards, like, 13 or 14 home wins, the kind of thing you expect from a team that uh, nearly made MLS Cup. Um, you and it, That's not an elite team solution to their home games. Um, and that's kind of their uh, their situation. There's not a lot of depth there, either, I've got to say.
0: Next on my list of teams in the i guess you would call the mid table if if it were another league is the philadelphia union who last year became a competently run organization for kind of the first time ever jason
1: no yeah
2: it was it was strange uh to see the union having a lineup that made sense um and players that made sense um in the positions they belonged in um You know, they even survived Vincent Noguera leaving midseason, which I thought was going to completely sabotage everything about them. Um, Not that I mean, they were worse, but they weren't like a disaster, which I kind of thought was going to follow. Um, They lost Tranquilo Barnetta. He went back to Switzerland. Um, He and his uh, amazing ability to take strange photos, no matter what is going on. Um, I I want everyone listening to... Take the time to just do a Google image search on Tranquilo Barnetta and just see the faces that he produces on accident. He's not trying to make weird faces. He just does. Um, but he's gone. Um, it looks like Roland Olberg, who they benched so that Barnetta could be the number 10. I guess he's going to be the 10. Alejandro Bedoya might be the 10, which is not a good use for him. I
1: hope, I hope Bedoya is the 10 because that would be delightfully awful.
2: Right, I mean, you know, Bedoya is a good linking guy. He's not going to create the kind of chances you need from that position.
0: Um, That's kind of been Philadelphia's mo. They get a lot of really good linking guys and try to use them as number tens.
1: Right, and and, with
0: Nogueira, it it, they've done it before and they'll do it again. Right.
1: What about what about if Mo Du gets healthy halfway through the year and they make him the number ten? I feel like they
2: they've been planning on him being the number 6 for a while but they've already admitted that it's possible that But um, don't
1: they also want him to be the uh, one of their center backs?
2: Well no, they've they've uh, already decided or, it seems oh, like that. Oh now they've
1: got one of them.
2: They've got uh, Oguchi Onyewu and they're going to partner him with Richie Marquez. They're going to start
0: um, Onyewu, really.
2: Uh well, once Josh Yarrow uh had his shoulder surgery, it's going to yeah. keep him out till like May or June. Um They've said that Anyewu has out outplayed Ken Tribbett. Not that that's a big hurdle to climb, um, and that it looks like that's the plan. Um, but it's funny,
1: at least some for of the.
0: This... I, I hope I'm wrong about this, and I apologize for making light of it. But for the ten minutes that Anyewu is healthy, he will be a starter.
2: I mean, the, what, what what would concern me if I were a Union fan is not so much his health is that how like, how is he going to play on the turn? Because he, he essentially – he's had so many knee surgeries that it, it's just hard to imagine him being able to have the lateral quickness to do anything. Um, and the Union <laughs> – their center backs get exposed a lot. Richie Marquez has had some success because he's fast. Um, Yaro was a good fit for the way they play because he's fast. Um, Onewa is not fast at this point in his career. Um, he never was and now he's much I, I mean at
1: this point of his career is – I mean the last – point the last point in his career was two and a half years ago
2: right um so that i mean that's another problem is, is you're, got, you're getting a who's 35 or will be 35 and he hasn't played in in that long um i mean they they did some stuff that made sense um they went out and got themselves a third option up front even though jay simpson coming from the league one or league two level it's uh not the not the most likely success story i still don't know that they've actually got a sure thing because CJ Sapong went ice cold at the end of last or the back half of last season. Um he really struggled uh for a while there. Charlie Davies didn't really do much when he came in from the trade. Um they need one of those guys to do something. Um I do like uh Harris uh Medunjanin, the Bosnian player they signed to play central midfield. Um I do like him as a player. At first, I thought they were just bringing him in to be the Noguera replacement. I think that's what he is as a player. But there was recent Jim Curtin recently said that there are going to be games where they play him as their number six and Bedoya as their eight and Roland Oliverberg as their ten. And I feel like there's no there's no ball winner in that group, and they'll have problems. Um, but they've that's a, that's kind of a weird union thing. Where like like we've already said, they get guys that all fit the same profile and then they want them to play multiple different roles within the setup, and they're all good at the one role. Um, I think Allberg is a good goal-scoring midfielder. I don't know that he's the guy that you want to, um, be funneling your attack through. Uh, Chris Pontius is going to be good. Fabian Herbers was good last year. Ilsinio apparently lost, like, 20 pounds in the offseason and is fit, um, and he was pretty dangerous last year when he was not fit. So, um, that's probably a good sign for the union. They've, they've at least improved there, but you know, I still look at down the middle. I look at that and think Andre Blake is going to be busy, busy quite a bit this season. Um, I do think they will probably be fifth or sixth. They'll be right in there. I don't think they're going to fall off, but I don't think they caught up to anyone either.
0: Philadelphia became a more competent team over the last year. I think going the other direction is what was the new england revolution who somehow became less competent as a team that said they do have a fantastic somehow. new away jersey that i like a lot uh i know that's not a universal opinion but i really like their little harlequin like um thing they have going on um jason what what is going on with new england these days i i i honestly don't know <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was changed.
2: He finally changed after way too long of watching the four two three one not work. Um, changed to a diamond, and they actually started to do fairly well. It was just too late in the season for them to to catch up. So um, is this
0: a diamond with? I honest this this is a question because I've seen lineups with these names transposed on it. Yes. Uh, is Lee Wynn playing the ten or? on the forward line (laughs) and is Juan (laughs) Agudelo playing the opposite of him? Which one is Uh, playing in the midfield and which one is playing forward? Because the answer should be obvious. It should be. It's not. But it Um, isn't.
2: um, In their last preseason game, Agudelo was playing as the 10 in a diamond and Lee Wynn was playing up front, uh, playing off of – I don't know if Kai Kamara started that one or not, but the point is that Wynn was playing as a second forward and Agudelo was playing in the midfield – which is a strange thing uh to say the least that's not Agodello's a number 9 I don't know why this is so complicated for anyone to figure out um he's since he's been with the Rebs he's had to play wide uh he's had to play now uh, apparently he's going to spend some time as a 10 um he had to watch uh the Rebs go out and sign uh Kamara for a lot of money um when they could have just moved him up there and now granted you know Kamara did score some goals, it's not like they got some bum to come in and play up front, but um it's 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 a strange idea to say the least. Um I think that's not their first choice approach. It's just a situation where Juan Agudello is good enough to be on the field somewhere, um, and this is maybe Jay Heaps trying to figure out where that is. Um
1: But 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 Jay Heaps is a bad coach. Yeah.
2: Uh <laughs>
0: That
1: That's, <laughs> that's this part year. of yes. the problem. <laughs>
2: um, it, it, they will, I think, they lost Gershon Kofi, but um, uh, Xavier Kwasi, who they signed at the beginning of last season, and then they signed him on a pre-contract. He was supposed to come in in the summer, but within, I want to say, two days of him signing the pre-contract with the Revs, he tore his ACL. Um, right. So he was out all of last year. He finally played like 17 minutes of their last preseason game. Um it was the first look that Revs fans had gotten of him playing soccer in an 11-on-11 basis. Um, if he turns out to be as good as Kofi, um, that should help somewhat. When they had Kofi at the base of the diamond, it was definitely the best they played all of last year. Um, it just – Kofi got hurt, and that that was that for them. Um, it's still kind of an odd system because it takes some players out of spots that they are best at. Um we've already talked about Wynn and agudello i i don't know if if scott call, if is playing at the base i don't know if there's a good place for caldwell um in that formation they they tried him on the right uh but i don't think he offers enough going forward to play that spot um diego Fagundes... Actually looked kind of good in that. In the, it's the style of play, I think. Um, being able to connect with other players a little more often and being a little less of a having to do one on one stuff, I think, benefited him. But he's also further from goal, which is a negative. Um, so I, I don't know what to make of the revs. They did sign two new center backs: um, uh, Antonio Delamea from uh, I think I can't remember if it's Slovenia or Slovakia, um, and then Benjamin Angora, who's uh, from Ivory Coast. Um, But they're both guys from Europe. They've got no MLS pedigree whatsoever. So it's hard to say whether they're going to be good or not. They did need to sign center backs. They couldn't go into this season with um, Jose Gonzalez going crazy and then someone else next to him. Um, So they did at least address the problem, but who knows if they're any good or not. Um, So yeah, and I think the Revs are still going to be kind of a – an inconsistent team they'll probably do the thing where they have their like 10 week losing streak or what have you in the middle of the year um revs fans at this point just are they expect that they aren't like maybe this year's the year we don't have it they're like no no it's coming don't worry about that
0: yeah they're dallas used to be that team and dallas got over it and, and won the double last year and probably would have won The triple, the treble, whatever word you want to give it, it's never been done, so it doesn't have a name, an MLS, uh, winning all three major trophies on the domestic side. Um, I don't think New England's a threat to do that this year. (laughs) Um, Next team on our list of teams that you have to find a reason to care about. Orlando City. They are moving into a new stadium. Uh they they just that it's been sold out. Yeah, that's right. Ben Ben has found a reason to care about Orlando City and it is pure unadulterated loathing. Yep. Um, this is very true. And and Ben, if you want to use a song from Wicked for uh the music this week, I wouldn't blame you. Uh, Orlando city, uh, they just announced that they've sold out their, their home opener in their, their brand new stadium for
1: them. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, Jason Christ is down there now. Uh, they're, they're not going to, to be an Adrian Heath team anymore. Jason Christ gets a, his, his first full preseason with them. Ben, how I'll, I'll frame this in a way that, that I think you'll appreciate. How bad will Orlando city be this year?
1: uh i think they are a great candidate for not making the playoffs i think that which they've never done
0: with, they've never made the playoffs in mls
1: right and even with kaka even with uh the the amount of money they want to spend i just think yes i agree jason uh i i don't think they're put together in a way that makes an mls team that is able to make the playoffs uh i they're a disjointed, weird, funky team. They they still have Breck Shea as a part of this team, and that should tell you everything you need to know about Orlando City. And so, I just... Especially with most of the East getting better, or at least not getting worse, uh, I, I, I don't see any way that Orlando makes the playoffs, and I don't see any way that they figure it out. And I think... At this point, we can't give Jason Christ the benefit of the doubt because he hasn't proven that he needs to be given that benefit of the doubt. And so I don't see them making the playoffs and they may be okay, but it's going to be a year where they need to really figure out who they are because they, an, an identity has been sorely missing from them.
0: Jason? Jason?
2: Uh, yeah, I don't, I look at Orlando's roster and I think Ben's touching on something. There's a lot of, it's a lot, it's a lot of like, what, what is this supposed to turn into? Um, I do like some of the moves they made in, in a vacuum. Um, PC, the, the player from Fort Lauderdale, uh, that was really, really excellent. I thought in the open cup against DC United, um, they've signed him. Uh, he should be good at left back. And if he's not, um, because then,
1: Fort Lauderdale couldn't afford to keep him because they had yes. literally zero money. Like I have more money than the Fort Lauderdale Strikers.
2: The evidence is is true. Uh, ben yes. Ben's in house right now that he's paid at least some of uh, the costs of. Whereas Fort Lauderdale couldn't pay their bills, so um, if 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 he can't come through, they've got Donnie Toya. They picked him up from Montreal. That should be. Um, a pretty decent signing. He can play on either side, which might help them defend a little better. Uh, They definitely need some help in that department. Um, Yeah, they've got some talented players. They let Kevin Molino go, and they did get a lot of allocation money, but allocation money can't play games. Um, And Molino... Can't it? Can't it? Well, you can put it out there. I mean, you can... I guess, like, tie both ends of a jersey around the stacks of cash and just set them on the field. Um, and then I assume that the lowest paid player on whichever team happens to be out there will grab it and run away because it'll be a lot of money. Um, it's worth it to just take the take the loss and say, like, I needed this well, for this season.
1: It, it, it's worth it to, whoa, take the money and run.
2: Wow. <laughs> I'm just going to move on. Um <laughs> that's the best choice they've still got antonio Nocherino, which is kind of awesome um that he's still there (laughs) um the funny thing is uh they had multiple players that they told they told straight out like you have no place here um Uh,
1: mateos yeah
2: david mateos the center back uh, and a couple other guys um yeah brian Rojas and um what's the other guy's name Um, the other guy yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. But the point is that those guys are still there, um, still collecting money from MLS, which means they count against a salary gap. Um, so there's something wrong as far as organ- the organization side goes. That's not encouraging when you can't even find a way to get rid of players you don't want anymore.
1: Um, I mean, c- c- DC United <laughs> was able to get rid of Dan Yakovic to Japan. So you would think uh, – Orlando could find a way to get rid of well,
2: apparently they the, try. their players. The, the reporting in Orlando was that they actually did find offers for Mateos from abroad for teams that would take him, and he just turned them down, so they're just stuck with him. Um, but in any case, it's not talking about the players that aren't going to make any impact. Um, I still don't know what formation they want to play. Um, adding Will Johnson makes some sense, uh, but. I don't know whether they want to be a team that plays a diamond because then they need Carlos Rivas to be a consistent uh a consistent threat alongside Kyle Laren. Um they're still going to be leaning heavily on Kaká and we saw last year that um injuries pile up with Kaká, especially him having to play on turf uh every week. Um so that's going to be an issue for them is what do they do when Kaká isn't around? Last year they struggled. Was the answer was they're just not that good anymore. Um yeah, I just – I look at this roster and I see a team that's going to be pretty much like last year where they're bad for a while and maybe they get on a run, they get some momentum and they try and catch up. But they've done this every year in MLS is that um, they're bad for a while and they try and make a push right at the end and then it's just – they're just short and they finish seventh and they talk about um, you know how much progress they made, but they didn't really make progress. Yeah,
0: How much progress they made, how hard done – They were by the ref in one particular game that totally would have changed their season. Um, Ben, anything you want to pile on while we're still talking about Orlando? Now's your opportunity.
1: Maybe they they shouldn't have stolen their team from Austin.
0: Okay. (laughs) Last up uh, is the Columbus Crew, which I will refuse to refer to as their their legal name. Columbus Um, Crew SC. I just said I was going to refuse to do it, Ben. You didn't have to.
1: You still haven't.
0: That's, that's true. Uh, I still don't think you had to, uh, Greg Berhalter, his side kind of, his, his side definitely backslid last year. There were times when they were still, you know, fun to watch for neutrals. Um, as long as you don't like shenanigans, uh, like diving and such, his team is among the worst offenders, at least in my mind. Um, when it comes to to that kind of thing in mls um but they didn't get the same results they did uh 2 years ago when they they kind of i won't say took the league by storm but they they turned some heads anyway and last year those heads were were turning away from them because they by and large were not a very good team jason
2: no they were they were pretty terrible especially defensively um they played the same style of soccer it was still the same um same exact approach with mostly the same players um they did have some injuries with with Will Trapp uh early in the year and then Tony Chani sort of scattered throughout the year um that hurt but a lot of it was just bad defensive play um Gaston Sauro was out and um it was funny when he arrived in 2015 that's when they finally put it together and then when he was unavailable again in 2016 they were bad again um I think they've got a lot of good parts. Uh, I think the system they play is is completely viable. Um, It's just a matter of can they execute the the system effectively without being a – I mean, last year they gave up, I think, 58 goals, um, something like that. Um, Steve Clark has gone and they don't really have – The funny thing is everyone just assumed that meant Zach Steffen would be the starter and that was that. You know, he's – um yeah. youth national team experience points to that uh i read something on massive report uh, a couple of days ago uh where they said that they kind of expect brad stuver to be the starting goalkeeper because they they haven't seen Stefan lock the job down and the, the Where was
1: where was brad stuver before this
2: he was the third string last year um sitting on the bench in columbus i guess playing a few games on loan with the pittsburgh river hounds um
1: okay
2: but uh that's Either way, um, even you know the goalkeeping question is is not solved. Um, which if you're going to let an established, solid enough starter like Steve Clark go, um, you should he at least to know Denmark, right? Yeah, you should at least know what your next step is. You shouldn't just let him go and be like, "Well, what do we do now?" Um, but that is exactly what Columbus did. So that's not great. Um, they did sign Jonathan Mensah from the Ghanaian national team. Um, that should be an improvement over michael parkhurst he 's only twenty six they didn 't get uh a veteran with only a year or two left in him um Mensa 's already played in two world cups at at twenty six so he should be pretty good um Nikolai Ness is back. I thought he was solid, nothing special but solid um so they they should be i think better defensively um because of mensa they signed um What's the guy's name? Uh, Yuka Ritala, the Finnish uh, left back, um, who's – I guess he's a starter for Finland. Um, I don't know how well he's going to fit into their style of play because Greg Berhalter wants his fullbacks to push very high up the field. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be that comfortable with that. Um, They've also signed uh, Mohamed Abu, um, who I think is projected to start ahead of Chani. Uh, The issue there is that Abu is 5'7", Will Trap is 5'8", and if your engine room is two guys of that size, you'd better keep the ball 60%, 70% of every game. Um, You'd better be even better – and Columbus is excellent at keeping the ball, but in MLS, that means they average – like last season, I think they they were credited – I think it was like 55.6%, and it was like one of the best figures in MLS history for possession. Um, And they're going to
0: have to double that margin.
2: Yeah, they're they're going to have to be even better to make that midfield viable because otherwise the lack of physicality becomes a big problem. Um Federico Iguain, they spent some time in the offseason where he wasn't under contract because they weren't sure whether physically he was able to hold up, and they, they went through a lot of um a lot of doctor visits to see if they should bother re signing him, basically. Um they left that to medical staff to tell them like yeah he's fit enough to play uh, another full season which is not really an inc- i mean it's encouraging that they they did get the clean bill of health i guess but it's still like if you're at that point that's kind of that's not great um yeah they'll still score plenty of goals because ola kamara was great when once he stepped in the lineup he was he was uh i think 15 16 goals in half a season um ethan finley should bounce back and have um a better f- – last year, he got really good at the end of the season. Um, he should probably be able to replicate that again. Justin Merrim was really good last year. So that side of, the, that side of things shouldn't be a problem for Columbus. Um, and Mensah coming in for Parkers, they'll definitely be better. I mean, last year, they only got 36 points. They were bad last year. Um, they'll be better. I just don't know if they're going to be better enough to actually get back in the playoffs. Um, though I will say, I have seen some other folks that watch – uh, a plenty of MLS, they think that Columbus is going to bounce back and be back where they were in 2015, one of the better teams in the East. I'm not convinced of that, but I do think they're going to be significantly improved. Like, if this team doesn't get 10 more points, at least, then
0: something went wrong. Alright, so right now, who I, I want to figure out who our playoff prediction teams are. I think I think we all predict DC United to be there. Um, yep. Toronto is the consensus favorite, so they'll be yep. there. The two New York clubs will probably be there, although Ben, I think you're a little skeptical about NYC uh staying in the playoff places. Um that's what, that's five teams that, that are are basically there. So you have Montreal who who snuck in last year, Philadelphia who snuck in last year, Columbus who's improved, and Orlando under Jason Christ, New England who probably won't make it. Chicago, who's improved, but probably won't make it. And Atlanta United, who's uh, kind of a black box at this point. Who gets those last two spots?
1: I wouldn't be totally surprised to see the Red Bulls falling out, especially with completely changing their engine room.
0: So so. last three or four spots, that opens it up to a a wide open kind of thing. If both New York teams fall out.
1: I think it might be that way.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, I guess for me,
2: I think both, both of those two are going to get in. Um, so the, those two DC, TFC, um, I think Montreal will get in. Um, I think again, like sixth, but they'll get in. Um, that last spot really is tough to call. I mean, the union, as much as I think they're going to have trouble at the back, I don't think they're going to be that bad. Um, I don't think they're going to fall off very much. I mean, if Bedoya is their number 10 for the most of the season and uh, um, Onye was starting for them for most of the season, then they probably will miss the playoffs. But, um, you know, Philly or the Rebs, uh or Columbus, it really is kind of a toss up for that last one. It's, it's it's tough because all of those teams are kind of – they all have a, a big flaw Um, that,
1: and it's, and it seems like each of those coaches are trying to prove something about how bad of a coach they are.
2: (laughs) I don't don't know that Jim Curtin's a bad coach. I think he's one of the only truly fairly rated coaches, uh, in MLS. When everyone thinks of Jim Curtin, he's probably not in the upper half, but he's not far from it. Um, I think most people think uh,
0: of Jim Curtin as a really good guy.
2: Right first. He's well liked he,
0: really the guy who happens to coach the Philadelphia Union and has right. for several years. Um, like he's not a coach first in most people's mind, which is weird when you're a soccer coach.
2: I will say this, he is the first coach uh in Philadelphia union history to actually have that team looking <laughs> like things are going the way they should. Um yeah. where there isn't some sort of like, why is this happening question? Um
1: Well, I mean he he, he gives them water and practices, probably. <laughs>
2: There is strong evidence that he is not trying to run them to death during
0: preseason. He Um, probably won't literally kill a player during practice, which is more than can be said for some coaches in union history.
1: Allegedly. I'll I'll say
2: this. For for sixth place, I think I can rule out Atlanta, Chicago, uh, and Orlando. I don't don't think those three are going to the playoffs. Um, So for me, I guess it comes down to Philly – the Revs and Columbus for one spot. Um,
1: Ooh, not not Columbus.
0: So Ben, if you think both New York teams fall out, and it won't be Columbus,
1: I don't necessarily. That means you have two
0: of New know. England, Orlando, Philadelphia, Montreal, and Atlanta in. Pick two of those teams right now, or I, more than that, you have you have four of those teams. So pick one of those teams to miss out. <laughs>
1: I mean, given that poo-poo platter, I think uh, given that, I think the uh, definitely the Red Bulls probably make it, even (laughs) though I think that they have delightfully destroyed their core of their team, but yeah. Yeah, I think they make it just because of the East. I don't I think Orlando is overrated, and Jason Christ is overrated, and they probably don't make it.
0: You're saying they deserve each other? Yeah. And giving Ben one last chance to, to badmouth Orlando is really the entire purpose of that question. <laughs> yeah. Thank you all for listening um, and, and sticking with us through this supersized episode of Filibuster. Find us at blackandredunited.com tweet us at filibuster DCU tweet the website at black and red send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com find us on iTunes and Stitcher and we're on SoundCloud and now Ben also Google on play also on Google Play uh, mostly though tell a friend about <sighs> us and come to our watch party March 12th at Doc FC um, we will talk to you real soon until then say goodbye Jason goodbye watch party Wait, no, not goodbye, watch party. Hello, watch party. I made my choice.